It's Burnsy after a rough loss to the Mavs last week where the Suns able to bounce back against Dylan the Villain and the King. It's the Burns and Gambo Show, and it starts at straight up 2 o'clock. All right, final hour of the show here on this um, Monday afternoon from the Auction Community Studios. Suns off until Thursday now, Wolf, when they'll play the Rockets, and then Saturday they'll play the Rockets again. So... They're going to have to perform a little better against the Rockets than they did uh, on Friday. That loss, after they lost that game, it was just, didn't you kind of have a pit in your stomach? Like, okay. Yeah. I, I hate it when you lose to Dallas, but I understand it coming out of the All-Star break, okay? But then lose to Houston the next night. Bradley Beal's still not playing. Uh, that set the stage, I would argue, for yesterday's game being a lot more important than just the typical game 57 of the season or whatever it was. Yeah, you did not want to start 0-3, right? I mean, we've been talking about the 27 games. You got 27 games after the All-Star break. 27 games, and each game is a big game. I mean, how many how many people have you heard that from? Each game is like a yeah. playoff game, said Frank Vogel. Well, yeah, especially when you, when you phrase it the way you just did. Okay, here's a 27-game season, basically, coming out of the All-Star break, because really nothing has been decided in the Western Conference in terms of positioning. If you look at the standings, I, I think I, I think we're getting a pretty good feel of who the 10 teams are going to be, but as far as positioning or like who's a lock to be in the top six, okay, yeah, Minnesota and Oklahoma City are, are 40 and 17. You figure they're both going to be playoff teams. But beyond that, it's like New Orleans is seventh. They're five games back at Denver for third. So nothing has really been decided coming into this stretch. So you could almost treat this like a 27-game season. Yeah, and yesterday's game was a big deal. I mean, honestly, losing to the Lakers would have been a disastrous start after the All-Star game, right? To be 0-3, and you got 27 games to try to hunt up a number four seed or better, or just keep the number five seed for that matter. 27 games, and you start it 0-3? No. Man. No. That would have been a tight pair of shorts on a hot summer's day. <laughs> That's the worst poetry I've ever heard, but also very vivid. Um, look, if the Suns, it, it, just to put it in perspective, had they lost yesterday, they would be seventh. They'd be eighth, actually. Right now lined up for a play-in game against Dallas with the loser facing either the Lakers or the Warriors and the loser of that going home. So it these games are not just... You know what I've been saying of let's let's ramp this up and let's see how much better this team can get and can you work on the fourth quarters and your defense and your rebounding can you improve your cohesion outside the big three all that stuff's important but there is absolutely a sense of urgency I would think I would certainly hope to be in the top six because if you're not in the top six you're 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 toying with the idea of playing single elimination one game against Luca and the Mavericks yes no thanks <laughs> or or the Lakers or the Warriors. Or New Orleans. Like, the the four play-in teams right now are, like, the four teams you really don't want the Suns to play. Like, they've had, they've had issues with New Orleans in the past. They've had issues with Dallas uh, currently. And I don't want to play a one-and-done against Golden State unless it's a Game 7. Yeah, and, you know, once again, um, it's really important that you mentioned it, Luke. Cohesion. Cohesion. And I think you need to be cohesive. When, when you come together as a team and you're put under the gun and suddenly you, you say, this is really important. We've got X amount of games to get it done. I guarantee you, Frank Vogel and his staff, they're up there talking about this. And I'm sure Book 
and KD uh, sitting there after a tough practice or whatever, sitting there with themselves on the bus, wherever it may be. They're talking about, man, these games are important. we got to get this thing going in the right direction. And when you go out and you lose to a team you should beat, like the Houston Rockets, let me tell you, that that doesn't make you more cohesive. It no, does not. Probably not. It starts to splinter you to some degree when you underachieve. And there's no other way to cut it. The Phoenix Suns are a better team than going 0-3 out of the All-Star break. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic was asked after the game how it felt to beat the Lakers specifically. Every time we step on the floor at home, we want to protect the home. Um, obviously, didn't play last game, so felt like the whole group was pissed. They lost to, you know, even kind of schedule, you know, messed up. Back-to-back before All-Star, back-to-back after All-Star, so looking like, <laughs> like a video game, coming back and play early game, so... It's kind of good and bad in certain ways, you know. They have an early game, so you can go back on the floor again and play basketball. But um, we love, you know, playing as Lakers, anybody, you know, who going to be in playoffs. And for us, it's just perfect for the rest of the way. We have the toughest schedule, so I love it, you know. All the games going to be like a playoff type of games, and everybody ready for it. That's big nerd. That's big Nurk. Big Nurk. Not right biggest Nurk. Yeah, That's you know his what? dad. Um, I'm starting to think he's got a little Dan Campbell in him. <laughs> That's what I'm starting to think. Well, as long okay? as he doesn't have to make any big decisions in the playoffs, um, we're good. Ask yourself this, brothers. Have you ever seen Dan Campbell smiling on the sideline, right? The way that he starts smiling. And he kind of looks like, I mean, he's got a bit of, bit of a joker quality he, he, to him, Dan okay? Dan Campbell, especially when he smiles, you're like, all right, what's wrong, Dan? <laughs> You know, I, it's so I look at that and I think, look, watch Nurk and how many times he smiles when he's out there competing. I'm starting to come around to Nurk with this. I think it's the, the insanity of it all. <laughs> so that way it's like, okay? Like, I think it's okay. Yeah, like I think Nurk knows that this is the way he, he goes out. It doesn't impact him to smile. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm going to smile at you. Like I was dead. Smile on that face. (laughs) Like I'm Dan Campbell. I. (laughs) You sound like Jim Carrey, right? I I know, but I, 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 Nurk, I'm starting to get a feel for this, dude. Like, he competed so hard yesterday. You watch him, Basinonians, going at it with Anthony Davis. He, I said this earlier, Anthony Davis got a big bruise on his sternum. Getting treatment for it today. <laughs> Ron Wolfley speculating. But <laughs> it was because Nurk was banging down low, big time, putting his shoulder right into his sternum and going up strong. Seven offensive boards. Nurk was Nurk was on fire. Eight. And yet he smiled like three or four times. Uh-huh. Whatever whatever he has to do to play the way he did yesterday, eighteen and twenty-two. Seven of those 22, like you said, were offensive rebounds. But then also seven assists, a steal, a block. Really, it's not like it was just him, but he played a big role in Anthony Davis not being much of a factor in the first half of that game when the Suns built that lead. And you heard Devin Booker mention it before. The Suns have played 58 games. Nurk has actually, Nurk's played in 54 of the 58. There was all these, you know, That's right. concerns about him, yep. his durability coming into the season, and hopefully it stays that way. But he's only missed four games, but they're 0-4 in those four games he's missed. Now, there's plenty of games where he plays, and he plays like 20 minutes, and he doesn't have a huge impact. But 
at least not in the box score. But <laughs> when he doesn't play at all, they miss him. And we saw that on Friday. You know, um, yeah, we saw that on Friday. But, yeah, I'm just honestly thinking if Frank Vogel is in his face, if the coaches are in his face, if, if the player, who is it? Is it a combination, coach and player? Is it just player for the most part? Who's in his face in regard to being more physical? Because, to me, from the beginning of the season to where Nurk is right now, it's night and day. You watch him play, and the force is there to me now that's would you agree with that yeah, or no yeah. i mean you don't have to no i do mel do you agree with that like he's been more assertive more aggressive more physical yes yes okay he definitely has i'm just wondering you know is is it somebody is this just him realizing what role he's got to be in yeah, for this he, team I mean, he might just be more comfortable as the season has gone on or maybe it was shoving grant williams maybe that maybe that just <laughs> activated him that's right know. he walked up on him all of a sudden yeah i i feel like he's shove been, you to the ground activate he's i feel like he's been effective for the suns really since day one but you're 100 percent right it's it is it, there's more of an edge to it now and that's not even i mean obviously yesterday it's easy to say that because he had a monster game against the lakers but you know even just building up to that uh, all right when we come back what is it february 26th the cardinals specifically today want you to know they're standing squarely behind kyler murray we'll explain next it's wolf and luke on arizona sports the local sports leader Hey, it's Bernsey. The NFL Combine starts this week. So what players are we looking at the closest? We'll talk about it on the Burns and Gambo Show, and it starts. It's straight up 2 o'clock on Arizona Sports. All right, Combine is starting this week. It's not like the NFL draft is tomorrow or anything, but uh, on February 26th, Maybe randomly, maybe not. The Arizona Cardinals posting on X, Wolf. Just a picture of Kyler Murray. The simple caption of our franchise QB, period. Even <laughs> even proper punctuation, which is unheard of on X these days. That's beautiful right there. I love that. So they put that out there randomly. Maybe not randomly. I'm guessing not totally randomly here on February 26th. Why do you think today? Why do you think right now? I don't know. You know, it was something that we were talking about. Um, the one thing I do know, basically, is this is no accident. <laughs> this is no accident whatsoever. This is a situation where you, it's not like you were saying earlier. There's some intern sitting there going, hey, I'm going to X this out right now. Everybody cool? I'm creating okay. content. You know, this is... This is something that I think was by design from the organization, of course, to let everyone know this is our franchise quarterback. The only because what was the question last year? It was well, yeah, hey, you know, we're going to see how this goes with Kyler Murray in the last eight games of the season. The right? only reason that it would come up maybe today is because the combine's starting. You know, you and I were looking before, and we saw the the NFL rumors page had uh, had had linked Bo Nix to the Cardinals, and then we kind of dug a little bit deeper, and that there's a CBS mock draft that has the Cardinals taking... It's a mock draft. Has the Cardinals taking Bo Nix at 27. So <laughs> that maybe is... I don't know. I think more than anything, that's just kind of, a, of, a, of an example of how crazy things are going to start to get around the NFL in terms of the combine this week and leading up to the draft. And so maybe the Cardinals just said, hey, right now it's the start of the combine. Let's remind everybody we're not in the market for a quarterback. Now, yeah. whether you think they should be or not, that 
is pretty clearly the Cardinals' stance and has been before this post. Yeah, think about that, man. I mean, that is, to me, it came out the day the Combine started. Is that a statement right there? You know, I, I think it is. This isn't an accident. This is put out by the team. And because of that, you have to wonder, right? But it certainly is accurate, I think. And the reason being, based on Orleans, is because of how Kyler Murray played under center, in particular, over the last eight games of the season. It wasn't just the shotgun. It wasn't, Luke was talking about this earlier, talking about 25% of the snaps he took from under center. And guess what? He did well from under center. The, the offense evolved and became more potent, more dangerous. And that's what you want to be to any defense you play against is dangerous. I will say this before I dive into the stats. Almost every comment back, well, not every comment, I shouldn't say that, but the first few are all referencing Josh Rosen. So that's the state of, uh, of social media in Josh Rosen? Well, because it's it's a quote of, from Cliff saying Josh is our guy when he first got here, and then Josh oh. was gone like two oh. weeks later. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's been noted by the Cardinals fans and whoever else might happen to be on uh, on X. Now, you were talking about Kyler under center, though, and we were looking at that story that Josh Weinfuss wrote for ESPN uh, that went through some of the numbers with Kyler under center. And, you know, we talked about it earlier, the 25%. He spent 25% of his snaps under center in 2023, more than double his second highest rate in his rookie season. And between 2019 and last season, he never spent more than 8% That's of his right. snaps under center. But how about this number? Well, if we read that one earlier, but how about this? When he threw the ball from under center, which Murray did 33 times last season, he completed 73% of his passes through one pick and averaged 10 yards per attempt, according wow. to ESPN stats and information. Wow. Think about that. That is the kind of production that the Arizona Cardinals had from Kyler Murray being under center. And why is that? (laughs) Because it's been around forever, ladies and gentlemen. It is the oldest trick in the book. Are we running the ball or are we throwing the ball? That second level, those linebackers at that second level, man, they get a little nosy. They get a little nosy. And then the safeties, they get a little nosy as well. Might actually come up down into the box thinking James Conner's going to get the ball. And all of a sudden, it's over your head. You're hitting Trey McBride on a drag. Or you're hitting him over the middle of the field. It's, man, it is so simple. Especially if you do it well. And that is the one thing the Arizona Cardinals, I thought, did a marvelous job of on their offensive line. Is keeping that pad level down and making it look like it was indeed a run. Hiding the ball. The fact that Kyler Murray is small is actually a benefit to the Arizona Cardinals when they run play action. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it's a benefit because you can't see him. (laughs) <laughs> you can't see if he actually handed the ball off a lot of the time. I, just as you're talking, you said marvelous, and it made me, I heard Marvin Harrison Jr., and you can see what this offense would look like, Wolf. If you, and you're not that many steps away from this, right? Kyler's playing under center. That was probably, two years ago, seemed like the the biggest obstacle to getting to what I'm about to describe to you. But Kyler under center 25% of the time. You don't want it even more than that, do you? 25% is basically what you've been asking for. What I would like to see is maybe up to 33% of the time, a third of the time. 
So you're you're think about it in the shotgun, you're you're in the pistol, and you're in under center. And you want the Oklahoma drill coming back, right? Yes, thank you. And um, the kickoff. So, see what, what are we do. doing? So you would have your offense. Your offense could pretty easily be Kyler Murray, James Conner, Trey McBride, Marvin Harrison Jr., Michael Wilson, Hollywood Brown. Man, I just sold. Now, oh, that would be perfect. Eleven personnel. You've heard me talk about this. Okay. How many times? One back, one tight end, three wide receivers in rundown. You know, you line up first and ten, second and one to six. Do you know how potent 11 personnel can be in this day and age? It is literally the blend of the old and the new. That personnel group and what you can do out of it. Oh, my goodness. Under center, in the gun, in the pistol, whatever it may be. You can do it all. And that's one of the reasons why I love that personnel group. Well, and again, I mean, that's, look, Hollywood's kind of the, the wild card, right? I mean, legal tampering starts in two weeks, so he might not even be on this team in two and a half weeks. Maybe, that's right. Maybe he gets priced out, he goes somewhere else. But if you if you end up with him, I mean, all you got to do is take Marvin Harrison Jr. He'll probably be there at four. And if he is, that's a pretty ridiculous set of skill position players right there. Kyler, Connor, McBride, Marvin Harrison Jr., Michael Wilson, and Hollywood Brown. Everybody Hello. slides into a spot they should be in. I mean, you, you would put that, maybe not in week one, but you figure if everybody stays healthy, you'd put that in week eight, let's say, up against most most talents. I don't know what you would call that, talent yes. cores for an offense around the league. And this is why one of the, one of the reasons why I get so jacked up when we talk about that personnel group in particular. Hollywood Brown may be the key to the whole thing, being over the top of that. Look out. You got a guy that can run a sub 4-3 when he has to. That is a scary, scary proposition. And suddenly there, there's a lot of room that has opened up for guys like Trey McBride, Marvin Harrison Jr., Michael Wilson. There, there's a lot of room that opens up underneath a guy like that, taking the top off. And Hollywood Brown does that. And the other reason why I love this is because of Trey McBride and how he has developed. He's the and one regard- that opens all this up. Oh, thank you, Luke. Why why do you say that, Luke? I just I mean him developing as quickly as he did last season, that allows you to have a giant target. So we've seen what Kyler can do with a giant target. Because he's a tight end, he's going to be a little bit different from all these guys anyway and he can block. Boom. There it is. <laughs> right there. Okay. Everything you said before that was all, great. All Luke. You heard was it was. Block. But that's what I'm saying. No way. You've got to be a 11 personnel in rundown situation. And you got to be able to run the ball. You got to be able to put James Conner's feet at six or seven yards. And then you got to be able to attack the edge and run downhill with Kyler under center out of 11 personnel. You got to be able to do it. And you know what I what I love about it? Not only Trey McBride and how much he has improved as a blocker and how much better I think he's still going to get. But also, if you tell me Michael Wilson is there and Marvin Harrison Jr., who also is willing to block, yeah, three. those are big wide receivers yeah. that will go out and block and run down. Makes uh, Hollywood Brown in this scenario even that much more valuable because he's unique instead of just another shorter, faster receiver like they've had in the past. I mean, it puts Michael Wilson as maybe your fourth option in the passing game, which is great. That's great. I mean, James Conner, Kyler Murray, I'm Trey McBride, Marvin Harrison Jr., Hollywood Brown, Michael Wilson. 
That's not bad. And they're like a step away from that. Text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, what storylines should you have your eyes on for the Diamondbacks during spring training? We'll run through a few of them next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Vince Murata. Join us Tuesday morning. ASU Sun Devils coming off an upset win over ranked Washington State. We'll talk to the head coach, Bobby Hurley. Join us starting at 6 here on Arizona Sports. Dave Burns in the hallway and pointed this out to him too because Burns will be out there for the game tomorrow. Sure. Burns and Gamble will be out there. Yeah. Well, it's all over the field. Eduardo Rodriguez making his first appearance as a D-back. Sweet. I mean, I guess they could change that, but he's scheduled to start the game tomorrow. Very cool. And we're going to be there. We're going to be there. Salt River Fields forever. I, it may sound like I keep bringing this up to promote this to listeners. Hey, hey, look at us. I'm actually just reminding Wolf to go to Salt River Fields tomorrow and right. not drive to the station. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Okay. Okay. okay, I'm going to Salt River Fields. You I've had this circled, as a matter of fact, in the calendar. Highlight. You actually have. This yeah. Is, yeah. It's not circled anymore. You don't do that, do you, Basin? You don't. Hey, you just, you just put it in your phone. You, you just, highlight You take it. a marker and you circle the screen of your phone. Yeah. And there you, go. <laughs> you just don't do that. It's, it's perfect. Everybody wins. Uh, Storylines to watch through a spring training. We've already, we've already seen a, a few of them uh, begin to evolve. One of them is certainly the number five starter spot. I, I tell you, Wolf, we were talking to uh, Steve Gilbert about this earlier. The outfield, I... I don't know how this isn't you know one of your top storylines specifically Jake McCarthy but not not just him you know you can go in a few different directions but they added Randall Grichuk you've already got a pretty good outfield you bring back Lourdes Gurriel Jr. you add Jock Peterson to the mix there was that story from Bob Nightingale a couple weeks ago that they offered Jake McCarthy in a trade to the White Sox and the White Sox ended up taking Dominic Fletcher instead so there's a lot uh, going on in the outfield. Here's here's what Steve Gilbert uh, said when he was on with us earlier. We always dive into these. Who's going to make that 26 spot man spot? Who's going to win that last spot in the bullpen? And then like a week into the season, everything changes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 it's nice that they have some depth. I think, you know, you, you mentioned that they that probably the starting outfield is the same as it was uh, in, in last year when you got uh, – uh, Corbin Carroll in right, Alec Thomas in center, and Gurriel in left. And then you got Peterson might see a little time out there, might not see some time out there. Gritchick definitely will, will see some time out there once his ankle fully heals. Um, and then, you know, that there is a question as to what happens uh, with that final spot there. Do they carry an extra infielder? Do they carry an extra outfielder? So, yeah, it is. it, is, uh, it does kind of put uh, Jake McCarthy a little bit on the bubble there uh, for somebody trying to win a spot. You know, for me right there, he just said it, Steve Gilbert. He was talking about Jock Peterson. And uh, could he see some time in the outfield? And how much time is he going to see in the outfield? And we know that when he signed here, that was one of the things he wanted to do. He wanted to be given the right to go out there and compete and play in the outfield. And I thought that was really, really interesting when we found that out. And that's one of the stories. That's one of the guys when we go out there and then, of course, watching all of spring training, and I don't typically believe there's any carryover base earnings from spring training into the regular season. That's just me. Now, I think there can be on an individual level, but collectively as a team level, I don't think there's any type of momentum you build in spring training going into the regular season. But having said this, Jock Peterson, 
We, we all know, could he possibly play more in the outfield because he wants to play more in the outfield? Well, a lot of that is going to have to do and be predicated on how he does against left-handed pitching. Yeah, and that is something, yeah, that could absolutely be looked at and tested during spring training quite a bit. And I, I, I keep coming back to McCarthy because he was so promising two years ago. And then he struggled last year, and he, you know, he got sent down, and he handled that the right way, and he came up, and there were flashes that maybe he would start to get back to where he was in 2022, where he was hitting like 283 with 23 stolen bases in just 99 games. Mm-hmm. And that was, I know it was only two years ago, but that's when 23 stolen bases meant something. You know, now the bases are bigger, the rules are a little bit easier to steal bases. And Ronald Acuna is stealing like 70, but 23 bases two years ago, especially in you know basically half a season, was very meaningful, and yet. They can't, everything got accelerated. They can't necessarily wait for him, you know? He took a step back last year, and the rest of the team took a step forward. Now you've got Peterson, and you've got Gritchuk on top of Carroll and and Alec Thomas and and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., and, like, you've got Drew Jones in the system. He's going to come up eventually, probably not this year, but eventually. So it's like, this is a big spring for Jake McCarthy specifically. Mm -hmm. That answer that Steve Gilbert gave us before it's not like he was trying to break news, but doesn't it kind of feel like it's going to be Jake McCarthy on the team or Jordan Lawler? I mean, it probably almost feels like we're not going to see both of them on the team out of out of spring training unless something happens. You yeah, know what I mean? right. Of course. Yeah, I I don't. I I guess maybe Luke. I mean, honestly, right now, what do you thirteen position players? Is that what they're going to keep on the 25, 26 man roster? Well, thirteen. Yeah, I mean, are you going to go fourteen? Would you go to fourteen? I don't think they want to mess with their bullpen from last year, from the end of last year, and I applaud them for not messing with it. Like that's the that's the part of the team they really didn't add or subtract much of anything from last year. They were like, hey, you know what? This bullpen by the end of the year, not counting the series against the Rangers, but this bullpen by the end of the year and for most of the playoffs was one of the best in baseball. We're not messing with the bullpen. Here's the one thing about it, too. You, you would think Alec Thomas, you know, being a left-handed hitter, of course, Alec Thomas, um, how's he going to do against left-handed pitching coming out? I, we heard Tori Lovello, you played the cut of him earlier, saying, hey, we think he's going to be the everyday. We think he's going to be the guy that's going to line up there in center field for us. And we all know the question that surrounds him. Is, is he going to hit like he started to hit at the end of last year against left-handed pitch. Well, yeah, there are challenges because I feel like AT is is evolving into playing every day, and I think um, we're still being react to that. But you know, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of innings out there, and um, if you have too many, I think the number you, how many did you bring up? Six or seven? Six, yeah. Um, you're going to fight to get guys consistent playing time. We believe in days off. You guys are aware of that. But, um, I mean, there's a certain number and there's a sweet spot. We start count up innings and how many are left over for player A? What does that matchup look like? Player B, where's where's he going to fall into his strengths and limitations? How can we get him at bats or be most productive? So those are conversations that are happening right now. I love that right there. We we but he's evolving into an everyday player. I feel like he's evolving into an everyday player. We're still gonna read and react on that. Well, <laughs> Which I thought was interesting as well. Yeah. But it appears as though they are. They're gonna give Alec Thomas every reason to go out there and prove he's the everyday center fielder. It, it may seem like a lock right now with the way the playoffs played out, but I mean 
it wasn't that long ago that he was getting sent down or that he was getting sat for a little bit because he couldn't yeah. hit, right? And then yeah. obviously came up with some huge hits in the playoffs and his defense is, is impeccable. So, I mean, if he can give you anything consistently at the plate, he's going to play pretty much every day. What I, what I don't want to see is because you have all these options, I don't think this will become an issue, but like I don't want to see Tory over tanker with it. You know what I mean? Because he's got so many options now. Um, I don't think he will, but I also, even in the playoffs last year, remember him making decisions where everybody's like, <laughs> what? And then it worked, and they were like, all right, fine. That's right, Tory. <laughs> oh, my goodness, it did work. He, he, but he makes, he, you know, he, he goes his own way, and that doesn't always work. It did, though, last year. It really did. I'm thinking of Merrill Kelly when he pulled Merrill Kelly. Oh. Do you remember? Yes, I remember that. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Merrill was fired Merrill just, up. Like, staring at him for the rest of the oh, game. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> uh, Von Melendez just struck out. You know, Wolf, I have high hopes for him. Power hitting corner infielder. Not yeah. for this year, but he is uh, struggling this spring so far. All right, we come back. Final segment of the show. We'll get back into the NFL Combine and specifically the name that we're all hoping the Cardinals look at. Marvin Harrison Jr. is not going to be doing anything at the Combine. We'll explain next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The NFL Draft. News on number four. Draft coverage. Live, local, late breaking. Well, this is actually news specifically on who we want the Cardinals to take at number four. Uh, Albert Breer tweeted this out just before our show today. Marvin Harrison will be in Indianapolis. He'll meet with teams. He's not just skipping testing. He's decided to not to train at all for any of that, training to play football instead. Hope is it'll give him a leg up with his new team. Uh, so he's not he's not doing anything at the Combine. Like He'll be there. He'll talk to, to teams. But uh, Aaron would say Malik Neighbors is going down the same path, right? Like he's not going to do... He won't be testing at the Combine, yeah. All right. So mm, now we're down to okay, one you of won't the top be testing. three. You know, once again, I love Marvin Harrison Jr. You know that, right? Like, I want the Arizona Cardinals to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Don't say. Um, I understand why. Okay, logically, I have everything to lose. But what are you afraid of? Go out there and compete. Will you please? Go out there and compete. Just like Roma Dunze. He's not going to miss everything. He's not going to skip working out. He actually is going to. I'm reading a report right here that says that he's going to run and he's going to test at the combine. Mm-hmm. What, did, what does that do to you? What, was, what does that say to you? You know, it says more to me about Roma Dunze than it does about Marvin Harrison Jr. or Malik Neighbors because, like, Caleb Williams isn't throwing there either. Like, this is just kind of where we are. We're in an era where guys don't play in bowl games unless they're the playoffs. They, and that bothers me more than this, by the way, because the combine's kind of silly at a certain point. Um, that's where we are. These guys know that, uh, I mean, look, if Caleb Williams goes and has a, a bad combine, is he not going to be the number one pick? No, it's that's. But not everybody's in that exact position. Depending who you believe, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the number one receiver, but Malik Neighbors is right there. And Roma Dunze is right there. And so if Marvin Harrison Jr. goes out there and doesn't run a quick 50, and Malik Neighbors is going to run a faster 50, although now neither one of them is going to run, so this is all hypothetical, um, then you can see how you know, you've got nothing to gain and everything to lose, in theory, as Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm a little surprised Neighbors isn't like, all right, he's not going to... He's not going to work out for you, but I'm going to go run a 4 
Well, then again, you know, Malik Neighbors probably going to run at his pro day. Probably run there and train for that right there and, you know, have the aid, comfort, and shelter of doing it around um, his team and his workout facility. Mel, were you going to say something on this? Well, I was just going to say no team is not going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. because he's not going out there at the Combine and running a 40. But Malik Neighbors, on the other hand, do you think, (laughs) I mean, he's not proven like, and let me just be careful, like Marvin Harrison Jr. is not proven, but he's not going to be falling down draft boards for not participating in the Combine. But do you guys think Malik Neighbors could? I I think he could. Let's see. I want to word this right. I know he's going to like fall down the board, yeah. but he might get passed by Roma Dunze. Yeah, I don't. So um, I guess in that sense, yeah, he would fall a, a spot or I, whatever. Yeah, a spots. I, I, boy, it's really up in the air right now. But I, I know this much. Um, if I looked at him, if I were a scout and I looked at those three entities right there, if we looked at Marvin Harrison Jr. and Roma Dunze and Malik Neighbors, and we broke them down... I, what Roma Dunze is doing right now, I'm rating him higher. All right. I'm rating him higher as a person because he's actually choosing to do it. He's not afraid. Okay. He, I, listen, I'm going to go there and I'm going to compete. That's what I'm going to do. And boy, does that fit with Roma Dunze and who they say Roma Dunze is. There's a lot of comparison to Larry Fitzgerald with Roma Dunze. And, you know, it, it just makes me think that. Interesting that Roma Dunze is going to go out and he's going to work out. I think um, it's an easy decision for him because what has he got to lose? I mean, honestly, right now, if you think you're going to go there, well, he's you're got something run. to gain, too. He's got he something, now has to, something gain. to gain. Because the two guys they, in front of him were like, uh, and I'm not even sure neighbors was necessarily universally so. in front of him. I don't think so. Um, also, this on Marvin Harrison Jr., Ian Rappaport took that Albert Breer post and uh, quoted it and said, Marvin Harrison Jr., likely the draft's top wide receiver, will do it differently. No agent. Yep. No testing at the Combine. Probably not at Pro Day either. But the no agent is, that's that stands out to me more than not testing at the Combine because a lot, we're seeing more and more guys already are, are pulling out of the Combine. Yeah. But the know, no agent's different. The no agent thing, first of all, you're like, why? Why is he, is he not going to have an agent ever throughout his career? You should have Lamar represent him. I have a, <laughs> Worked out pretty good for Lamar. I have a hard time believing that's going to be the case right there. Maybe it's because, hey, listen, coming out of college right now, we're talking about where he's going to be slotted in. We all know the National Football League in the first round, they have slotted payments for where you get drafted in the first round. But there, there are some things you can massage in that as well. But apparently, it it appears as though they're just like, listen, coming out of college, we don't need an agent. We're going to get slotted into the spot that we are. And why would we hire an agent and pay him 3.5%? Well, I guess you can write it off. That was the big thing I remember when I hired an agent. And he negotiated a contract for you. You could write off his cost. Yeah, but the, isn't writing it off, like, isn't that, like, a the biggest scam in the history of the world? Like, you're like, I'm going to write this off, but it really doesn't get you anything back. Like, okay, I just lost, I don't know, $350,000, but I wrote it <laughs> off, so I get a $35 credit on my taxes. Like, cool. Well, <laughs> I'd rather just not get, spend the $350,000. I, I see what you're saying, but when you're talking about um, tens of millions of dollars, yeah. 
that suddenly becomes kind of an important thing, right? It, it does, yeah. But I, 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 I mean, actually, as I understand your point. I don't hate the idea of like, hey, wherever we get drafted, there's a slot for that anyway. We don't need an agent until we're negotiating our first contract. And see, that's, you know, it's, it's kind of smart, actually. It's, right. It's almost like his dad played in the NFL. I, <laughs> I'm kind of thinking as, the same way you are on this. It is interesting. Um, it's not like, hey, Marvin Harrison Jr., there's going to be a lot of agents who would be beating his door down, right, to be hey, a representative. I'll tell you what. I'll do it for 2.5%, Marvin. I'll get you your slotted money because you're getting it either way. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're going to hire an agent. This this could this could set a new precedent. It really could. Maybe they're going to go ahead and hire an agent after they get their contract figured out. That's genius. And then go ahead and hire, right? <laughs> it's kind of Too genius. Too bad. We're not paying you anything for that. We're just going to negotiate this ourselves. Well, because at the beginning, you're really not going to do much as an agent. With He's going to go third or fourth, right? I mean, we can pretty much all agree Marvin Harrison Jr. will be <laughs> gone by the fifth pick of the draft. Yeah. So whatever that's going to get slotted, he could hire, he could have a dog as his agent. Like, that's the money he's going to get. <laughs> you don't really need to negotiate it. And now what's going to be interesting is he, if he never hires an agent like Lamar. Yeah. Because then that that's that's a different player you're dealing don't with. Don't you think it was interesting, though, that if you, have you guys heard about Roma Dunze working out before this? Did you hear he was working out before this? Because I, I don't remember seeing a story on Roma Dunze is definitely going to work out at the Combine. Don't you find it interesting that Marvin Harrison Jr. comes out and says he's not going to? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you got Roma Dunze, who many people believe is the number two receiver in the draft, going, oh, by the way, I'm working out. <laughs> yeah. With the big uh, smug sniff at the beginning. Just wondering. Oh, uh, yes, I'll be uh, I'll be at the Combine and uh, doing everything because I'm not scared. That's the subtext, right, from Roma Dunze? Exactly. Yeah, I mean. Might climb some boards. Good, good for him. I, I don't know that he can climb higher than number two among receivers, but I think he could do a lot to solidify that spot. Um, we'll see. All right, that's it for us. Thanks to Aaron Maloney and Jesse Morrison behind the glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. We've got Burns and Gambo coming up next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.